Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris. Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is a podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Steve Hamilton, author of the book, A Scandal of the Particular. In this book, Steve pulls back the judicial curtain and takes the reader along to show them an up-close and personal look at some of the players in this game, this game we call the criminal justice system. So Steve, I want to welcome you to the Books on Air podcast. Well, great. It's a, it's a real pleasure to have a chance to talk to you today. So let's start out by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself and what led you to write your book, A Scandal of the Particular. Sure. Um, I was a former uh, Crown Attorney in Canada, which is a prosecutor. I was a prosecutor for uh, over 30 years. I did everything from murder to mayhem, and, uh, and uh, I uh, wanted to write a book to sort of talk about, from a prosecutor's point of view, what's involved in a criminal case, and also what's behind a criminal case. And when I say that, I'm talking about the players, the judges, the victims, the lawyers, their spouses, their, their relationships. Um, sometimes you've heard the term maybe a voir dire. That's what we use in Canada. That means a trial within a trial. Mm. So those that conduct trials also have trials in their own lives going on at the right. same time. And uh, so give the reader a chance to think about the issues that are involved in the criminal justice system today and also what's going on with the players. Yeah. And so I'm sure in your experience, you saw a lot of different patterns play out over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, I, well, the one thing I, I think that, that people maybe don't get is, is that, the criminal justice system is best compared, I think, to a slaughterhouse. Oh. It's, you know, it's like, it's like I Love Lucy with the chocolates keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And so often uh, you know, Hollywood or another, maybe another book will portray a defense lawyer where they do one particular case. Mm -hmm. And then when it's over, everybody celebrates the, uh, the innocent party goes free. Everybody's happy. But um in a, a prosecutor's case and in the criminal justice system, it's one case of many. They keep coming. They keep piling up. And so that's sort of the, the difference, I think, uh, in terms of, of, of what I look at in terms of criminal cases and the people and people that are involved. Because it doesn't stop. It's yeah. a slaughterhouse. It just keeps piling up. Yeah. And, you know, when we see it portrayed in TV or books or whatever, it, it's always very clean cut, right? There's just this linear line where everything just follows. And then at the end, you have a, a perfect resolution. But I'm sure in your experience, that isn't actually real life. And how do you manage that? Or how did you manage that in, in your time with, with these cases that just keep coming in all the other facets that you see, all these different players that you see in there and the things that you start to um, maybe recognize or see behind the scenes that the average person doesn't necessarily ever even think about. Well, um, how I used to start my day is somebody would come in before court and they would say to me, 
Uh, Steve, I'm going to tell you about the worst thing that ever happened to me. And they would be followed the next 15 or 20 minutes by a person that would come in and say, Steve, I'm going to tell you about the worst possible thing that ever happened to me. So it's compartmentalizing a bit of that, but it's also reliving their experiences. One of the yeah. things that I talk about in the book is, is that many social workers or, or family members, when there's a traumatic event like a murder or uh, a terrible uh, accident where somebody's really hurt badly, a paraplegic, let's say, or a quadriplegic, they say, you have to move on. Don't forget about it. You need to like put this out of your mind. Mm-hmm. But as a prosecutor or as a criminal lawyer, you have to say, I want to ask you about this in microscopic detail. Right. Or I, I Forget what all the social workers told you. Okay. We're now going to go, and this may be damaging to you. Right. To go back and to relive this. But this is what we need to do. Because on the other side of the fence here, the defense lawyer is going to pick away why you didn't describe how many buttons were on your sweater when you were raped, mm-hmm. how you didn't see the uh, the person that plunged the knife into your partner and leave the room, all of those types of, of, of questions. So it's quite different. Yeah. And even as the, on the human side of that, I mean, I would assume there there's some element of people's psyche that blocks out all of this, right? In order to survive whatever they've been through, which would make your job, I would think that much harder because you're trying to dig out these things that maybe someone doesn't want to face or, you know, has blocked off, maybe not even knowing. And then um, those kinds of details are matter. And so that would, it seemed would be very difficult as well. It is difficult, and and uh, one of the the cases I remember, and I, I make mention of it in a fictional sense in the book, was it was a story about two indigenous women that were in a residential school, which is a very popular uh, topic here in North America, and they were sexually assaulted by their principal or headmaster, and they were told again, like uh, none of this is your fault, and don't don't think about what happened, and. And the problem with that is, is that we remove them from the process. And what I mean by that is, is that we're told that they don't really have a stake in the process. Right. They, they, they can tell their story, but the lawyers will take care of it. The judges will rule on it and the public will, will hear about it. But we've totally removed them from the whole process. Right. And so they ask the question, that many people ask, why bother? Yeah. Why go on? And those are difficult questions. And so what I wanted to do with, with my book uh, is, to, is to get people to think about some of those questions, some of those challenges, uh, not just a, a book where it's uh, A to B in terms of linear, there's a crime, yeah. there's a solution, this is what it is. Yes. I wanted you to think about that, you know, and, 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 uh, that's why I wrote a particular book that I did. Yeah, yeah, that bigger story. So yeah, let's get into that a little more. Tell us about some of the characters, maybe when and where your book takes place. Sure. Uh, well, my main char- character is is Hyman Kazan. And uh, um, Kazan is a, a fellow who is a, a senior lawyer in Vancouver, Vancouver, Canada. 
-hmm. And he's, he's on the cutting floor, the slaughterhouse day after day cases are, are coming in and he gets assigned a, a case of a, a young gay man who is, uh, is killed. And the police believe it's in, involved or uh, the person that was responsible for the, the murder. It was a judge. Mm. So this, this gets him interested because now the criminal justice system is on trial. The judge is on trial. But what makes matters worse is that his longtime love partner or partner says to him, oh, by the way, I'm involved in a relationship with the same judge. <laughs> so now how do you deal with your seeking justice in the criminal justice system? And you're also seeking justice for yourself. Yeah. Uh, and you're dealing with jealousy, you're dealing with uh, uh, revenge, you're dealing with retribution, all of those issues on both levels. And how do you, how do you, how do you navigate that? And that's the question that the protagonist says, how do I navigate this? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm picturing that, <clears throat> as we talked about, not being a linear line, right? There's all these offshoots of, 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 of a situation, right? Where the moral side of it, the questions that a person would ask, even that, um, like you said, that, that almost like defeat before it even starts, right? If someone's asking the question, why bother? Because of all these things that play into it that are so far out of a person's control who was the victim in any situation and in that, that machine of the criminal justice system then takes over and becomes the, the driver. And it's like the, the victim, the person that was wronged is, is sitting there and supposed to maybe go along for the ride as the observer of the situation. And, and the emotion is not, not supposed to be there, which is absolutely, you know, impossible and, and unfair, you know, it, it seems very much like a, um, like a defeat before you start with that kind of um, system dr driving it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it, the, the, it may be in like you're in Tennessee, I believe, right? Yes. Uh -huh. And so it's quite different when we, I talk about Vancouver, Vancouver is rainy and gray. Sometimes mm -hmm. they compare it to England. They say that, you know, it's summer in Vancouver because the rain is warm. Um <laughs> It's 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 a situation where the the weather is also a character in my book and uh, and there's always complaining about the weather, but it, it's just a it's just a metaphor for well why do we complain about these things that are just weather you know yeah. they don't really matter there yeah. we 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 focus on the things that we can control and the things that we can't control why are we focused on those. Um, same as maybe holding on to a, a relationship that's ending, you know, maybe we're trying to control that. And, and the protagonist goes through those types of questions too. And at the end, he realizes that, you know, the weather is fine. It's only rain. And that, you know, the lack of control, right? These things that we all do want to control and how those types of just the weather, for example, as you mentioned, how then that starts a domino effect of, you know, feeling like, we have like focusing on those kinds of things that are so out of out of our control that we're not looking at our own situation and what we can control. Yeah. Well, and, and, and when you think about the criminal justice system, just think right now, if you were to pick up the phone 
and to phone your local police force. Right away, the criminal justice wheels are starting to grind. Right. And they're, and your control over that is gone. Right. Now, whenever you, whether it's a, a family court case or a criminal case, you turn over your autonomy to a third party, like a judge, mm-hmm. like a police force, um, you lose control. And, and you may have the same morality or the same way of looking at things, or you may want the same, what you see as a just outcome, whether it's uh, custody of your children or the resolution of a criminal matter. But once you let that go, that person, that third party may not share your view, right? may not share your morality, then what? Right. Yeah, you know, I mean... Say, Start with a phone call. And, and tell us a little bit about how you feel that we all have a role to play in the welfare of others. Yeah, I, I, I use the term all suicides are murders because mm-hmm. there's always events that are leading up to somebody taking their life. And, and, and that's why I think we do all have a, a role to play in the welfare of others. And you see it with victims all the time. Uh, you see it in in your in your daily life. I'm sure you see it. That uh, maybe uh, something you said, maybe something you've done. Um, if it's a criminal case, uh, there's never a, a, a victim that's just one victim. Mm-hmm. Even the accused family is affected by the outcome of their actions. The accused is affected. Right. The community is affected. Um, it has a ripple effect. And so it's just sort of that view that all of us have have a role to play in the welfare of others. I honestly yeah. believe that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that goes back to what we just talked about with con- what we focusing on what we can control, right? Because we can control our interaction with others and our, um, you know, the way we behave with other people. That is something that is in our control, but it's often looked at the other way. Well, because this person did this, now I'm doing that. And we don't right. necessarily have to live that way, right? We we are in control of our emotions and ourself if we choose to be. Otherwise, we we're just kind of floating along, letting everything, you know, take us where maybe we don't want to go. Yeah, you, you often hear that in terms of an assault, eh? I just yeah. lost. Yeah. I just lost it? Yeah. Did you really lose it or did you choose to lose right. it? Right, exactly. Exactly. So tell us some of the words you would describe or maybe the themes you would use to describe your book. Yeah, I use the words raw and candid, um, mm-hmm. honest, uh, because, again, it's not it's not just a, a simple telling of a tale of a, of a criminal case. It's questions that are posed. Yeah. Why go on? What does it matter? Um, why do we uh, interact the way we do? Uh, what really matters in terms of outcomes? What is justice? All those questions are posed. They're not answered for the reader. They're posed. They're posed in terms of the scenarios. I think sometimes I compare it to like an an orange. You know, you take apart an orange and you can see it when it's together, but there's the segments and each segment can Mm -hmm. be looked upon independently. And same with my book, I hope anyway, that's the goal is that when I started my book, the, the first chapter, there's a, a reference to Hyman Kazan moving to Vancouver and after the passing of a friend. And he was reflecting on the few scribbled lines that are in the abit. 
and wanting not to have his life recalled like that mm-hmm. foreshadowing perhaps what happens down the road not to give anything away but um so i i think that i hope that answers your question i'm not sure if it does but yeah it's it, those independent thoughts you know uh the moments that make up your life that comprise the, your whole life it's not just one simple moment uh, it's it's all those complexities and and how they affect you right down to whether it's raining outside <laughs> yeah yeah and those bigger questions that and i think you're when why this having this perspective this perspective that you have of being uh in the criminal justice system for so long and seeing those different parts but also helping the reader understand that there are different parts right because for someone who is not in the criminal justice system daily it it seems like it just moves as one unit you don't think about the pieces of it that make the unit right and to pull those pieces apart and understand that well everybody involved has not only are they dealing with um their own personal stuff right that can sometimes then influence what what's happening in their you know their jobs and things taking right. it apart and being able to show the reader that i think is um i i really liked that perspective because again personally me i've never really thought of the different parts i always thought of it as one faceless unit <laughs> moving forward <laughs> right do you know the the recent case that was very popular was Murdoch, right? The the fellow that was the lawyer that was involved in the murder of his son and and wife. Yes. Uh huh. Do you know Do you know the name of the prosecutor? I didn't follow that one very closely. I'm aware of it, but I didn't follow it. Okay. His name was Crichton Waters, and so his whole life was put on hold while he prepared for this case. Mm-hmm. And. This is one case. I don't know if it, next week maybe they gave him a week off after that case, but after that he's next faced with another case. Yeah, and and, and he went through this this case that the media watched and and they they focused on the defense lawyers and they they talked a little bit about him, but what was the effect on his life? Yeah, dealing with that case and. Next day, when that case is done, there's another chocolate, to use the Lucy analogy, rolling down the uh, the treadmill or the the conveyor belt yeah, that he has to take on, on mm-hmm. which yeah. is just as important to that person. Right. Or right. more. Right. Yeah. Um, such big questions and things to think about. Um, what would you say sets your book apart from other books? Uh, I, I think I think it's because it's not li- written in a linear matter. It, mm-hmm. It's it, it's it's the protagonist thinking about these issues. Hopefully, the reader will think about these issues, trying to resolve his own personal problems. How does that get resolved? Um, it's written in that sense, and so mm-hmm. it's not a simplistic book. Um, it's one that's philosophical. It's one that I hope causes the reader to to think about bigger issues. Um, it's it's written by a criminal lawyer. It's not written by a corporate commercial lawyer. It's not written to just simply entertain. I mm-hmm. hope that it, there's entertaining aspects to it, but it's also written to make you think about those other questions. At the end of the book, I list a, a number of lawyers who I knew who 
couldn't survive the slaughterhouse. Mm. They either fell into alcohol, they fell into drugs, or they took their own lives mm -hmm. because of those issues that yeah. are portrayed in the book. So it's not, uh, you know, we all think about, I don't know, I'm, I'm dating myself because I'm older than you, but Perry Mason, we all know mm -hmm. Perry Mason. Yeah. What happened to Hamilton Berger, the uh, prosecutor? Nobody thinks about, they don't even know the name. And he was a major character in that that series in the, the mm -hmm. 50s and the 60s. But uh, that's what it is. It's posing those questions and being different from that to give people a look behind the judicial curtain. Like I say, we, we trust we trust our lives. Yeah. We trust our security of person to a judge who in Canada is appointed which is a, a whole other dialogue, but in your country is elected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. What, what do we, who, who, who are these people and yeah. how are they held accountable? Yeah. yeah. And what I like about hearing what you're saying there is that another theme I'm getting from this is almost encouraging people to look look at, I don't want to say bigger picture because that's not it, but look at the, look at the other details around, around things, because, you know, often in a case like it's Perry Mason, like you said, right. Everybody knows that character. Yeah. You're watching him on the screen, but not paying attention to maybe not paying attention to what's going on around Perry Mason in the scenes, right. The other characters. And, I'm just thinking about that in life, right? We're often maybe socially, you know, encouraged to look at whatever maybe the news tells you to look at that day, right? This particular person or this particular um, situation. But what I like what you're saying and you're in the, it sounds like, again, to me, one of the themes of your book is that there's more to just that one person. There's that bigger picture around it and looking at that and understanding that more, um, is um gives you the bigger picture i guess it helps you to see that more than just maybe the narrow tunnel vision that maybe we're used to in in, in different things in our lives yeah i i hope so i think the other thing is that sometimes if i'm talking to like college students or younger lawyers i'll say it's a flawed system and they'll yeah. look at me a flawed system and i say because people are flawed yeah yeah. There's an appeal process that might deal with the, the issue in the case, but we're not, we're not dealing with the people. Yeah. And we have this expectation that all oh, everything's going to turn out, you know, justice will be found. Uh, well, we don't find people innocent. We find them not guilty. Yeah. <laughs> Big difference, There's right? Difference. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah. I, and I hope those are the types of things that come out in, in those types of discussions. Yeah. Steve, this has been such a fascinating conversation. I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, before we close out, what do you hope readers learn or take away after reading your book? I, I just hope it, it, it starts a dialogue. I hope that it, 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 it reveals the, the players and, and people question the players at the, at the front of the room. You know, most people, when, if you ever go into a courtroom, you just see the back of heads. Yeah. If you think yeah. about that, you just see the back of the lawyers. You see the judge's face, but you don't see them. So yeah. what's going on in their lives that will affect the outcome of the case that's before you? Yeah. 
and uh, think of them differently. You know, we think of them as perhaps robotic in terms of uh, going through the facts of the law or whatever, but it's far from that. Yeah. Think of the players, think of the effect of the case on them and think of what's the next case. What, mm -hmm. how does this all work together? Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope it gives a revealing look at the justice system other than, you know, what we just see from A to B. It goes yeah. to C, D and the rest. Yeah. I hope anyway. Yeah. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for joining us today. Steve is the author of the book, A Scandal of the Particular, and I'll link to the book in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.